This is the Full Port Podcast with Josh Howard and Nate Wyatt, brought to you by T.P. Howard's Plumbing. Hey, this is Josh Howard, T.P. Howard's Plumbing. There's nothing worse than a plumbing emergency. Today we have Steve Norton with Carolina Cat. Steve is the territory manager for Western North Carolina. Yes, sir. Uh, and you've been here about six and a half years? Seven years, yes, Seven sir. Seven years. All right. So the first question we ask everybody, we used to ask your morning routine, but I think that's kind of the same but do you brush your teeth just as needed <laughs> just as that you know we, we've not had that answer yet as needed <laughs> so what is it like is it like once a week yeah if you're going to be in public it should be at least three times a day <laughs> <laughs> and plenty of mints to go along <laughs> oh, all right so give us some history of carolina cat so Carolina Cat is, uh, we're in our 97th year of doing business, and um, of course, our territory is a franchise territory, and it runs from Greensboro, North Carolina, all the way to uh, Cherokee County, if you will, Murphy area of North Carolina. Um, we have several different divisions that fall under the CTE, or Carolina Tractor and Equipment Company umbrella. You have, of course, Carolina Cat, which is the heavy iron division and compact um, division of construction equipment. You have Lift One, who is the material handling division of Carolina Cat, or Carolina Tractor and Equipment. You also have um, Hydraulics Express, Power Systems, so there's a lot to the Carolina Tractor and Equipment Company family whenever you start talking about, let's talk about some history. That's what you've got in right. Carolina Cat. So still family owned? Absolutely. Absolutely. In the third generation, um, Ed Sr. is still involved with the company. Amanda Cornelson, who is his daughter, is coming along very well in the company as well. And we expect that to be our fourth generation of, um, of ownership at Carolina Tractor and Equipment. Now, are they located in the Carolinas themselves? They absolutely are in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay, right on. Um, so how long have you, well, how did you get into your position where you are now? So <clears throat> I was lucky to have uh, started off my career in Raleigh with another Caterpillar dealership that we share the North Carolina, actually we don't share the North Carolina de territory with. We are in North Carolina with Gregory Poole. So when you start talking about that Greensboro East territory, that's where Gregory Poole is. Um, out of college, I was there, what they called their yard man. So unloaded equipment, loaded equipment uh, for the main shop, for heavy new sales, used sales, and um, for rental as well. Um, about eight months after doing that, I ended up being a branch rental manager for them in Leland, which is just outside of uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. And uh, some family needs brought me back home to Asheville, and then I was the hydraulic support rep here at Carolina Cat, then became the forklift sales rep, and then moved into the heavy sales uh, position about seven years ago. Okay. So then where'd you grow up here? I grew up here in Asheville. Sure did. Where'd you go to high school? Went to school at Asheville High. Um, started off at Vance Elementary. Walked to school every morning. <laughs> Was bigger than all of my teachers. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Still are. Still are. Still am. Just for reference, how tall are you? Seven foot. All right. 
seven foot, so I'm having a little bit of trouble getting down here to this microphone right now. <laughs> <laughs> so went to Asheville High, and then you went to where was you go to college? So I ended up at NC State and uh, graduated there, played basketball there, and um, after I was unable to continue my career, I costed more to feed and clothe than I've been worth since then, to be perfectly frank with you. <laughs> so you played, played college basketball for NC State? Yes, sir. A long, long time ago. Did you play all four years or just a couple years? Uh, my sophomore year, I had a knee injury that right. kind of sidelined that career, but was able to go ahead and complete my degree there. And uh, that was a good thing to be able to finish up that degree yeah. and 100%. move on. Right on. Cool. So let's talk about, you know, we just toured the yard, went through the rental fleet and all the new stuff or lack of new stuff. Yes. <laughs> um, how are supply chain issues affecting what you're trying to do? You know, in a post-COVID world, everyone has been affected by the supply chain issues, as you guys well know, in your line of business. Um, cat manufacturing has worked really, really hard with the dealers, though, to try to lessen that impact. They've worked really hard with their Tier 1, Tier 2 suppliers, Tier 3 suppliers to keep dealerships like ours uh, stocked with as many inventory parts as we can possibly get for wear items, things that you're going to need on a consistent basis. We talked about the 24-hour truck runs as far as getting parts in from a parts hub in Morton from Atlanta and then our other stores that we have locally from Greensboro, Charlotte to Hickory to Asheville. So we run that part shuttle every night for that particular reason is to get customers back up and running. Um, handling day-to-day -day requests, that gets that portion of it handled and when we have an emergency, we have specific contacts inside cat manufacturing that we can go to and say, hey, look, we have a customer emergency down. How can we get this fixed ASAP? And as far as a customer's concerned, the most important thing that we can give them is uptime <clears throat> and availability of their equipment. Yeah. So that's of, a, that's of paramount priority here. So your sales up or are they down? As far as actual numbers of machines, it's kind of steady because we've been able to get used right. pieces. We've been able to utilize the used market even more so than we had before. So as far as machine population, we're able to keep a consistent population. We're just not as many new machines simply because of availability. Right. I talked to some other people, you know, like the Ford and everybody else, and he said, you know, his numbers are up. Because as soon as he gets a truck on a lot, it's gone. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. They don't yeah. have anything there. But as soon as it comes there, you know. Yes. You we're in 20 yeah, we're, trucks and you sell 20 trucks the next day. Yes. Absolutely. So. And machines are very similar. We have a lot of machines pre-sold from dozers to excavators to even compact equipment. that We've got folks that are going ahead and signing off expecting to get that piece of equipment at a later date. Yeah. Or you What's the lead time on some of those? The lead times actually change per family. So if you're talking about excavators, you notice when we walk the yard, we have some 320s and some 323s. Those have been loosening up pretty well. We're starting to see the 259s, the skid steers, the compact track loaders. We're starting to see that free up a little bit better as well. And the minis will end up following and we'll be able to get more of those in in the coming weeks. Now, do you, do you expect 
I mean, I talk to some people, they don't expect to go back to the way it was. We're having a ton of equipment on the yard and you sell, you know, pieces of it. Are y'all going back to that? Or are you going to keep what you got and keep it scaled down and just sell it as fast as you can get it? I'm optimistic that we're going to start having some equipment on the yard because, and the reason being is this, we've met on the yard before and we've needed machines. Like if you had a, a job quoted and it hit and you've got two weeks to start, yep. one week to start, and you say, hey, look, I need some equipment for this job. And I'm like, we can have it to you in three months. Well, that's not going to work for you. So we're hoping that we can get more equipment on the yard and the, have the availability there to say, hey, look, here's a machine that has this option and here's a machine that has this option. Which one do you think is going to work best for you? And um, that's where I hope we return to. Right. No, I do, I do too. Because, I mean, that, that what you just talked about is exactly what happens, mm -hmm. you know. And then planning for something like that. You cannot plan, you know. Eh to get work or not get work you know exactly. once you got it you know you need it but you know you got to go you gotta it's go, go time then um so what about you know obviously we all we're in west north carolina and the economy i think i feel like it's doing very well mm -hmm. but is it is it is it affecting your business in any way i mean is there have you seen any any difference than what's been going on the last couple of years are you you know Right now, we've been fortunate to be in a region like you're talking about in Western North Carolina, even in the state as a whole, yep. that continues to see growth in several sectors, whether we're talking about commercial, we're talking about industrial or housing. We're all seeing the benefit of that investment in this area. And we're, we're like I said, we're cautiously optimistic that going into the rest of the year, it's going to remain that way and hopefully into the beginning of next year that we continue to see that growth. Um, but I think if any of us could answer that question, we might get an invite to uh, right. into Washington D.C. right <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> so we have these interstate projects going on. I saw Archer Wright out in the yard out here. Mm -hmm. Are y'all able to meet that demand? You know, in that kind of a situation, those larger jobs like that have been planned for several, several months, even years. Yep. And the good thing about it is, is when all of those hit, those machines were already pretty much in inventory and coming. So those jobs are going to be four to six years, depending on change orders or anything else that it may impact it. But they have the bulk of the equipment that they were going to need uh, already we had already put that equipment out for them. So uh, when you have a project like that, mm -hmm. you know, and they get done with that equipment here, you know, and I know they're, they're a massive company and they go all over the place, but I know they buy a lot of equipment when they get to places to do Absolutely. jobs. How does, when they're done, let's say they're done with this project, are they gonna, are you, are they gonna try to return that to you and let you sell it or they take that with them and move on somewhere else? You know, depending on the scope of work, some of those companies will lease a piece of equipment for the duration of that yep. job, and then they will let that particular machine go back to the leasing company. Then people such as Carolina Cat and other dealers are able to acquire that equipment, yep. and then we're able to put that into the machine population locally as for as a retail piece. Um, some companies, if they have another job lined up, may exercise a right to go ahead and purchase that machine at the end of that lease rather than turn it in. And then some companies, their philosophy is to own 
for a certain amount of time, certain amount of hours, and they have their own specific guidelines internally for that. So it's kind of a, to answer your question by not answering your question, there's different um, acquisition philosophies. Yep. So that kind of gives you just a brief synopsis of what one company may do versus another company. I got you. And then the workload that they have coming up specifically for a piece of equipment like now, that. So I've read that you know, we purchase all of our equipment. Yes. We try to anyway. Um, but I've read that, let's say, and maybe I'm wrong, but 10 to 15 years ago, people purchased a lot more. And now 50% are renting more than purchasing. Is that is that right? Well, what you have is you have a core fleet that you know that you're always going to need. Yep. You guys keep a lot of minis, you know, wheel loaders and those, those types of machines. If you say, hey, look, we were out on the yard, we saw that Maruka over there. We're gonna to have to go clean out a sediment pond for X customer. <clears throat> There's probably no reason to invest the money in that machine if it's specifically gonna be for that job. So what people have been doing is they have a certain amount of equipment for a core fleet that they acquire and then they rent the more specialized pieces. And then if you're gonna be on a job and you say, hey, look, we've got three of our minis tied up on this job. We need at least one more for three weeks or a month. Yep. It may not make sense to make that purchase and they and just augment your fleet with a piece of rental equipment. Yeah, I mean, we do that as far as like Mooresville right now. We do that every week for everything. It's all rental equipment you can't take. Yep. yep. <laughs> Done that a lot with our asphalt cutting cells with you guys. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So what's the best part about your job? Honestly, the customers and the equipment and the job. The jobs that we go to to get to visit with you guys, the things that we get to do for you, whether it's – and listen, anybody that tells you that they don't get anything out of being able to come through and be more of a servant-minded person for a company like yours – is probably telling you a story <laughs> because <laughs> in my opinion if there's something that I can come through for on for you on if I can take that variable off your plate that helps you move on to a more high priority high productivity activity other than hey man I need a bucket out on a job I'm gonna have to get I'll take care of that for you we'll get you we'll get you up yeah. and running we'll get this taken care of and you guys are building the communities, helping build the infrastructure in the communities that we all live in. So we all have a vested interest in making sure that we do our part to help you be as successful as we can. So that's the part I love the most about my job. Craziest sales story? You know, <laughs> it's probably some of the more fun people that I get to deal with is what it is more than anything. So as far as a crazy sales story, I don't know that I've had any like really crazy sales stories. I've had some really fun interactions with some of our customers. So we'll probably go more down that line than anything. <laughs> what about crazy rental story? Any like this? Because I mean, I feel like you might get some more crazy stories out of that. Have you met Charlie? No, I haven't. Well, he's crazy, so that would yeah. be a I'm just kidding. <laughs> Charlie is my counterpart in yeah. the territory that I serve, and we actually work really well together. And when it's a situation where it's like, hey, we're going to have this piece of machinery for six months or more, we collaborate and say, hey, look, it may make more sense to go ahead and purchase this machine 
if you feel like you're going to have more work for it after a six-month period because you're going to have a significant amount invested in the rental if you only go rental. So, And if I get a – the customer's like, well, I'm going to need this machine maybe two, three months at max at my house, or I'm going to do this, or I've got this project, I say, well, maybe it wouldn't make as much sense to purchase as it would to rent. So we work really well together as trying to meet those kind of needs and juggle those kind of um, those kind of conversations. Biggest piece of equipment you've sold? So there's a 117,000 pound machine and a 349. There's three of those floating around here locally. Um, sold a D8T in this territory, and and in Asheville, a D8T and a 349 is not always as common. But yep. those are the larger machines, and we walk by one of the grinders out there, you know, a 1,000-horsepower grinder that's chewing up trees. Pretty good, pretty significant size machine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what is your favorite piece of equipment? That's tough for a cat guy because we have different segments from uh, GCI, which is the heavy, all the way down to the yep. BCP stuff. So as far as a, a dozer guy – What's used to be the D6N LGP is now the D5, just to confuse you as much as possible. Me to do that to you. Um, it's been said by folks who have plenty of uh, experience, 20, 30 plus years, that that's the best sloping dozer that we have. It has a real strong stance look to it, so I like that higher horsepower machine. <laughs> I like that big and strong. We're a dozer company for Christmas sake. So I love that machine. I love a 323, the 320, the 50,000 pound class machines. They're real common machines and they're, they're built heavy duty. So I enjoy those machines, 304, 305 minis. And I love a 300.9 because it's the only machine that's uh, not bigger than I am. <laughs> I don't see you on a 300.9. Yeah, I don't see that fitting you so great. No, the 300.9 is basically me with a shovel, except yeah. you don't have to stop and feed it twice or three times a day. So, All right, so we'll, we'll finish this up here in a minute. But So every time I turn around, and I'm sure you do too, mm-hmm. somebody – one of our salesmen somewhere has jumped ship. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why has Carolina Cat stuck for you? So Carolina Cat does a really good job of investing in its people. And I feel like being a family-owned company, you have more of a relationship with the owners, with the management team. They're going to do everything they can to give you the tools to be successful. And being able to have that kind of relationship inside and knowing that they're investing in you and they've always got your back they're always working for you when we come in with what some people may consider the impossible task they find a way through all of the resources that we have through caterpillar to try to make that not such of an insurmountable task not impossible task And when we can come through for our customers, like I was saying earlier, that's a sense of fulfillment that you get on a consistent basis. Some people may take a phone call and say, oh my gosh, there's nothing we're gonna be able to do to help this customer out. There's just nothing we can do. We will take that same conversation and say, how do we make this happen? And we have really good people that work here, so the people that I get to work with internally, our customer base, it's a fulfilling and a rewarding job. 
by no means is it not demanding, <laughs> but <laughs> it is fulfilling. So that's, that's kind of what stuck with me as far as that goes. And I have no desire to do anything else as far as that goes for my career. And the things that I enjoy outside of my career are kids, whether it's coaching kids, mentoring kids, whatever it takes as far as the kids go, that's my enjoyment outside of work. So I'm completely fulfilled as far as that goes for a, uh, for a job, what people would call a job. But um, between that and home, I, I have a blast with the kids. So that's why there's no reason for me to be looking or doing something different. So then what motivates you? What motivates you to come to this job every day? You do. You're the customer. And the more I can do for you and the more I can do to take those variables off of your plate from an equipment standpoint, if I can come up with a solution, whether it's a GPS unit, that will help you get through a job faster, make you more productive, help you make more money, help you to move on to the next job so that one can be billed and you can start the next one. Whatever it is I can help you with, that's what, that's what motivates me. And that's the enjoyment that we should all get out of. Because the construction side, let's be honest, is a very small, close-knit family. We all know one another, for the most yeah. part. and you should be ready and willing to, because you're on the front line as much as we are, even more, more so than we are, because you're dealing directly with whomever is doing the development, whoever, whoever is doing the um, financing the job. You're working directly with that owner. We're working directly with you as an owner. So we have to do everything we can to support you from each one of our roles, whether it's the guy selling you the pipe, whether it's me selling you the equipment, or on down the line as far as materials go. We have to do a really good job supporting you guys so that you guys can be successful and in turn it helps us be successful. Right on. I appreciate you having us out and letting Absolutely. us walk around and explaining everything. Absolutely. If we can good have deal. you back any other time, be more than happy to. Know, we'll do it again for sure. Absolutely. That concludes the podcast. You've been listening to the Full Port Podcast with Josh Howard and Nate Wyatt. Find us on social media like Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Just search TP Howard Plumbing. Make sure to click the follow button on the podcast and give it a five-star rating if you like what you hear. 